Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. Power of Water, Earth's Human Mission, and what we want to learn about what is happening on our planet to live here. As we must all remember, we're living as guests on the planet, and we have to learn how to live here. And this is what the show has been about for four years. Last Monday, a week ago today, we had our fourth celebration of our fourth year, and about 370 guests have been on, from the United Nations directors to NASA to Nobel Prize winners to scientists to authors to educators and physicians and young teenagers that get giving their lives to providing uh, funding toward children's water wells in different countries to have water for them and going around the world in Kenya and uh, Holland and we've been our show has been around our planet the show is dedicated to life-threatening understanding of what causes water wars without the water there is no planet can you imagine standing away from the planet earth and looking at it as innocent bystander just looking at the planet oh my gosh it has the water and the influence that it has on our whole solar system because it has the water the moment you were born you entered in the air you breathed from a pocket of water that moment you became naked no water around you the word dehydration began loss of water to passing to away life to death it's the water you're like a pool of a river constantly. If you look at the water, a river, you're flowing internally with water. You must drink 8 to 10 glasses of water a day. It's vital or you'll dehydrate. You can't even fight the toxin if you're not drinking enough water. So as you open the eyelid and the eyes begin to be the organ where the eye, uh, skin is not covering the eyelid all day, remember that organ is a planet of its own, the eye. So your eyes are vital to your moisture level, your what you're drinking, what you're eating, your every day of life. Without your eyes, the health of your body begins to have a challenge, obstacles. So we teach a lot on our show. Our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the founder company is Biologic Aqua Research Center. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the sponsor, and today we're going to move very quickly into our guests before we, uh, so that you can begin to listen to what they're going to be teaching us. It is so important what we're going to learn here today. Uh, but before I begin, I'm going to have a tribute to my friends in Japan. I was in Japan this last year. I flew in uh, during the daylight, and I couldn't believe the beauty of the country and the concerns and proactiveness of their of environmental concerns of their uh, having lawns growing on buildings for environmental concerns. Everywhere you go in Japan was for environmental concern, health reasons, Earth's human mission. They have taken so serious. They recently had the tragedy of being, uh, um, it was noticed from the Earth with an earthquake. They've had the tsunami and then they've had the nuclear power problems with some pollution problems that they're trying to solve. And once that is solved, maybe we'll all know what we can do with the future of nuclear power that is already there. But I have a message from my dear friends that I fell in love with there in Japan and and the beautiful relationship that I built and the futures that we will have in Japan 
is this message from home. Nature's tears missing Japan. Eyes from America. Our vision is with you. Earth's human mission are prayers and Japan's courage, because you do have courage. And you're showing the rest of us that devastation can happen, but it won't be long. You'll be up and going and stronger than ever, and you will be even more than you were before, which you were already the example to the rest of the world of what environmental concerns are about. I wish you well, and our prayers and tears are with you. Today we have a very exciting guest. I'm really excited about Tim Blakely. He's the author, educator, uh, herbalist from, um, um, uh, from a company called Frontier Natural Products from Norwich, Iowa. Today I wanted to ask him a lot about history of teas because I think the future of tea has, is going to be there for understanding how to benefit your health for healthier reasons. Our second guest, our second guest is Dr. Alan Taylor. I am very excited about Dr. Taylor. He's a PhD. He's a senior scientist and director of the Laboratory for Nutrition and Vision Research. I have been studying and finding that nutrition and your eyes are who you are. And look how many of you are watching the computer today. How many of you are living your life with two eyes to see where you have to go and the health of your eyes are vital? So we're going to learn a lot from his studies. He's a leading scientist all over the world and what we're going to learn about nutrition and vision. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Tim Blakely. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Tim, are you with us? I'm here. Can you hear me? Wonderful. I can hear you. So how are you today? I'm doing great today. Well, I want to thank you for here. I was excited about the show today. And Tim, tell us about who you are and Frontier Natural Products. Well, I've been working in the herb world since the 70s, you know, way back when we were just a bunch of hippies hoping we could uh, change the <laughs> world, but uh, things have obviously changed a lot. So Frontier is a company located in Iowa, and we sell medicinal herbs, uh, culinary herbs, tea, etc. And uh, I spend a lot of time traveling around the world sourcing material, uh-huh. and then I teach classes to people how to use those products. So uh-huh. uh, I've seen... Now, Not Tim, were you farm. recently in Anaheim? Were you able to go to Anaheim to the Natural Products Expo? 
Oh, yeah, I have to go every year. Okay, I was there. Oh, it's great, wasn't it? Yeah, I did a personal appearance um, uh, at uh, for Health Enterprises. We were downstairs because I'm in the medical field in the eye category, and where uh, Nature's Here's Eye Mist is the only 100% natural product in the world like it for the eyes. It's 100% tissue culture grade of water. We were brought into the medical field years ago, so I have a passion for studying nature, and um, I want to hear now Frontier Natural Products started when? Uh, 1976. 1976, and you're the founder. No, we're a co-op, actually, and it's kind of unusual in our industry. So it was started by Rick Stewart uh, in basically in a small little cabin he had on the banks of a river, uh-huh. and uh, it slowly grew into the company it is today. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, and your pro- tell us a little bit about your products, and then we'll go into what I wanted to learn from you today about teas. Uh, tell us a little bit about your products. Well, we're kind of famous, I guess, for our uh, organic and fair trade approach to uh, supplying materials. Uh, we're the biggest organic supplier of spices in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably the biggest uh, organic fair trade supplier of teas in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, we're also pretty much the biggest supplier of essential oils in North America for the natural products industry. So now, do you have products that are have an, a, a trademark name on them besides supplying other people with uh, the the ingredients they need? Do you do yeah, your own? The, yeah, the three names we have. Frontier, of course, is known throughout the industry, but we also have Simply Organic, which is uh, one of our organic. spice lines. And okay. then we have uh, Oracacia Essential Oils. So we basically have okay. three different names to our, our product okay. line. Okay, and we can see that on your website. Well, wonderful. Congratulations. Tim, before we move into, and I want to have you on again sometime because you're going you're to be a full of information, but can you imagine how far you've come when you got to the Natural Product Expo, I couldn't, I mean, we've been in the medical field for years. It's ophthalmology, refractive eye surgery, and more. Drugstore presence, yes. And when I walked in, Tim, I was in awe. <laughs> they make the fashion designer look like you better become part of nature and start a new culture. <laughs> oh, who would have thought 30 years ago we would have an expo like we have today? Oh, I, you know, I need to tell the audience worldwide that the Natural Product Expo at the Anaheim uh, Convention Center right next to Disneyland and the, and the Hilton Hotel when you walked in on the first floor, the most magnificent, glamorous, classic sophistication of presentations of of the uh, of the smoothie drinks, of the natural uh, juices, uh, of the sugar-free cookies or the no sugar added cookies or chips or di- whatever it may, and then the protein drinks and the protein bars and the teas and it was. So glamorous and and so classic and so sophisticated. Besides the generosity of each of the people in there, now we gave out an enormous amount of free gifts of Nature's Here's I Miss, but they were upstairs giving out just tons and tons and tons of 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 samplers for people to enjoy. Yeah, you and definitely so wouldn't dinner. go hungry at Expo, that's for sure. Well, nobody would. <laughs> and, you know, Tim, the first time I ever walked into, I'm from Oregon here, and I walked into a whole food store in Portland, Oregon, the first time a few years ago. And, Tim, I was so, because I've been studying nature 
to do what I've done in the technology of understanding the benefit of water and dehydration disease, of course, I studied nature uh, for a lot of years, over 35 years. Well, I started out with studying with nature. Well, Tim, when I walked into the first Whole Foods store, I'm going, my first one, I'm going, oh, my God, to my husband, I think I died and went to heaven. (laughs) Because I used to go to these little kind of like uh, closet places years and years, 40 years ago, and study with the nature, uh, natural food stores or natural product stores. And as the years came by, yes, I was in the medical field later with what I've done, but it's all natural. We were the first all-natural hum- product in history to be in the pharmacy department in front of pharmacy and in the eye category because depletion of eyes is lack of water at the tear film naturally, not with chemicals, not with an eye drop, not with a, it's the water. So when I started this show, Tim, I said when it was brought up years and years ago to have a show, and I said only if I can call it the power of water. <laughs> and I feel funny today because of what happened in Japan but of all the cultures, of all the people in the world, their faith and faith and prayers are what the water always have been anyway. So they'll deal with this beautifully, with a lot of tears, a lot of missed tears. But uh, of all the people in the world, they'll come back even stronger because they're such strong people. Now, tell us about what you know about tea. Well, speaking of Japan and tea, you know, of course, the Japanese were one of the biggest or perhaps the biggest tea drinking culture in the world still, but uh, tea goes back about 4,000 years, way back to China. Um, Yunnan, China, and southern China is still kind of called the uh, the mocha of tea. That's kind of where tea first started. Now, is southern China, I haven't been to China. Mm-hmm. Have you been to China? I bet you have. Well, I've been to Nepal and India, but not China. Okay, um, in southern China, is that near the Himalayan mountain range? Exactly, yeah. Uh, exactly, so down in, that plain, in the plains, and that's where the tea growing began. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, what, tea originated what did, in Yunnan. Yeah, now when you were noticing some of your research there about teas and the history, what was the story behind the first person who said, I want that leaf to be in my cup of water? <laughs> well, when I, when I took my time machine back in time the other day, <laughs> you know, you always wonder who first discovered, you know, a particular herb or, uh, you know, and yes, made it into what they make. Yes, that's exciting about natural products, yes. Yeah, it's like that person was a genius, right? That person is a genius because <laughs> they, inv- they, they saw something. They were curious to yep. explore something. Uh, yes, now what did you learn? Well, I can tell you this, I, I actually grow tea at my house, too, and tea is not a spectacular plant. Um, it, you don't look at it and go, wow, this is going to be a great plant to drink or anything. So somewhere along the way, somebody just uh, grabbed the leaf and nibbled on it, and surely they felt the effect of the caffeine at some point, and they realized, wow, this is a kind of a stimulating drink, so mm-hmm. um, you know, what can I do if I make it into hot water? And you know, at some point, they started drinking tea pretty regularly. I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking thousands of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and then th- that was in China. Yes. Yeah. In fact, the rest of the world, uh, prior to World War II, just about in that area, the rest of the world knew that China had an enormous opportunity in silk and teas. And, yeah, China dominated uh, yeah. the tea industry for a long time. Yeah, people were trying no. everything they could to try to get into China and become more than just a partnership yeah. based on first, teas. Yeah. The first tea wasn't grown outside of China until the 1820s, and then, of course, it was grown in India, and it quickly took off because the English, you know, absolutely loved tea, Mm -hmm. and once they started growing it in India, that gave them an unlimited supply, and, you know, of course, tea took off. 
Mm-hmm. Now, today I have a fascination with it a little bit um, because you have to put it in water. But in my world is water. But, you know, have they ever, ever, ever studied more about today in the natural product business, about having a pantry, a little uh, shelf area of teaching people that if you have that tea and you have that uh, complaint, ailment, uh, we won't even, it could be a symptom, but um, that they would go to <clears throat> and learn which tea would you drink if you get up in the morning and you need just a little bit of extra strength. Uh, during the day, you're feeling a little like an allergy coming on. Uh, maybe during the day, you're getting a little more stressed out. Uh, maybe during the day, uh, you're getting ready to, and you're not as hungry or you're too hungry. Do they have, uh, can people learn which tea is good for them for different reasons? Well, absolutely. I mean, you can combine. I like the word absolutely because I was hoping you'd say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I like to go back to your statement earlier. (laughs) You know, when you mentioned water earlier, I kind of just think of tea as just an extension of water. You're right. Water and you just kind of make it a little bit. A little bit better in some ways, and it's hard to make water better, but I think tea is the perfect medium to do that. So um, they just go so well together. I mean, all it takes is throwing a little bit of plant material in water, and voila, you got tea. <laughs> yeah, like the voila. So and uh, anyway, well, you and I both agree, and the world agrees, uh, that you must drink eight to ten glasses of water a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a doctor on who's so well known all over the world. He said the r- inside the body is like a flowing river. So if you want your river to flow in your community and, and the waters and the lakes and so on, but you also need to flow with the water in your body to detoxify and keep alive with the organisms. Um, Back to the tea. Tell me a little bit about tea. Which type of teas? And and I know uh, we've got. We know that China is still at the top. Then we have India. We have Kenya, Sri Lanka, Turkey, Indonesia, Japan, and going on. The United States isn't on there. Why do you think the United States hasn't gotten into growing tea? I mean, well, into- we. I live in Hawaii, so I can say that yes, we're growing tea in the United States. Uh, you know, you need a an environment that's pretty much frost-free. Uh, tea okay. doesn't take cold, so that limits the areas in the world that can be grown. And there is a tea plantation that was started in Charleston, South Carolina, way back in the 1800s mm-hmm. by uh, Lipton, and it's still there today. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know about it. It's kind of a you know a hidden little enterprise. But mm-hmm. That was the uh, first American tea plantation, and now we have some really small ones starting up in Hawaii, which is very exciting because mm-hmm. we make a really nice tea here. <laughs> yeah, now Charleston, South Carolina. Yes. Or North Carolina. South Carolina, yeah. South Carolina. I've actually visited that tea plantation. It's, uh, I mean, it's not as nice as any of the tea places here in Hawaii, but, you know, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little prejudiced towards Hawaii. Well, you have uh, a lot of backdrop there. <laughs> <laughs> you're not an island. I mean, you're not. No, a, I'm not like, an not, island. I should say you're not landlocked. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but uh, back to tea. Now, tell us about some of the types of teas that you have found, and I want to have you on more commonly if you would for us. Because we do reach out to the world with messages from here in the United States that can give us more education. But which type of teas did you learn that are so healthy? Very good teas. Yeah, there's four major types of teas. You have black tea, green tea, oolong tea, and then white tea. Mm -hmm. And there's big differences between those four major types of tea. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for a higher caffeine content, Black tea definitely has the most caffeine, but 
if you're looking for health benefits, uh, we know a lot more about the health benefits of green tea than we do any of the other teas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can go halfway in between the two and drink oolong, which is basically a, kind of a, a blend of green and black teas. And then white tea, huh, white tea is kind of interesting. It's, it's not my favorite. It doesn't have a whole lot of flavor. And uh, But some people really enjoy white tea, very low caffeine content in white tea. Mm-hmm. Some of the flowers, uh, the teas, um, uh, when I was at the Natural Product Trade Show, I met one of them, um, the tea companies from Japan, Teas Tea. Mm-hmm. And they were giving me a little insight. Um, but what about some of the flower-flavored um, teas? Um, they have different, um, are they, uh, do they have a lot of caffeine? Or are they mellow? they relax you? What do they do? Why? I mean, it depends on, you know, whether we're talking about tea, which has caffeine in it, or then there's all the herbal teas, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you open yeah, it up Yeah, let's make sure that our audience know the difference between an herbal tea or maybe uh, a Lipton tea, we should say, even. Because yeah. now, which one do you specialize in? Well, actually both. So I oh. started out drinking more in my life and, of course, teaching more about herbs. So we have our herb teas, you know, which would mm-hmm. be like nettle tea, chamomile, peppermint, spearmint. Mm-hmm. Then we have you know, tea itself, which is all coming from one plant, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Camellia sinensis, and that's where you get black tea, green tea, white tea, and oolong tea. Mm-hmm. And so between herb teas, which you have so many, I mean, there's hundreds of herb, you know, different herbal tree, teas you can drink. And then with the, you know, the regular tea, you know, you have black, green, white, and oolong. So a mm-hmm. um, lot of possibilities. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and if you're not prepared today, we can do it another time. What is the shelf life of a tea? Let's say you buy a tea. We'll start out with the, with the bulk of the tea, not in the tea bag. What is the shelf life of a tea? If a person goes in to buy a tea, a bulk amount of tea, buying, you know, they always put it in a plastic little bag. Should they go home, put it in a glass jar to, to store it, and then is there a lifespan? Yeah, I prefer to store everything in glass or a tin. Um, okay, glass or tin. Yeah, tea's not going to oxidize very readily. So if you keep it in a cool, dark place and keep the top on, don't allow it to get hot or wet, it's going to last a long time. I mean, we're talking... In a darker it, place, though, not out of Always in a dark place. Never okay. allow it to get any sun. That's why traditionally they used to put it in uh, tins. Okay. Because the tin wouldn't allow any light and or moisture to get in. Mm-hmm. And it's going to last for, you know, easily, uh, you know, a year or two. It's not going to go bad instantly when it does finally start okay. to maybe lose some of its quality. So. Good to know. So if a person buys the bulk tea, go home, transport it into a little glass jar or a tin and keep it in a dark place. Yeah, definitely have it be a dark glass. If you have a you know, a transparent glass, then it's going to allow some light in if you accidentally expose it. Unless you have it in a cupboard someplace. To yeah, unless you keep it in your cupboard. Dark, yeah. Now tell us about the, the, the fabrics. The f- formula, uh, what, what is the uh, material of a tea bag? They're coming out with more uh, different types of materials uh, from the old world tea bag. Now they're getting into the more fabric type of materials, which is your, what, how would people look at the fabric, uh, the, at the material that's made, made with the well, tea I'm bags? Throw in one line and say, first and foremost, uh, you're better off drinking whole leaf tea than drinking uh, tea that's in tea bags, uh, okay. which has already been powdered because whole leaf tea is just going to have more flavor and more volatile components in it. Mm-hmm. And I'll always say that's better first. But then if you're going to drink it in a tea bag, I mean, the old traditional cotton tea bags I thought were, you know, were great. Um, and now they're coming up with, you know, various other tea bags. But um, I, 
My my big focus really is on drinking whole leaf tea. Um, mm-hmm. It just doesn't get any better than that. Exactly. You know. Uh, now, what is your favorite tea? Oof! Put me on the spot here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, my wife's English, so I uh, drink English breakfast tea in the morning. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I like a good Darjeeling in the afternoon and a good chai with lots of different herbs in it. Um, you know, I put cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, uh, just about everything in my chai. Oh, my. Uh, and, of course, vanilla, too. I just love vanilla. Oh, and caramel. Oh. <laughs> Look out, Starbucks. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then herb tea-wise, I drink a lot of peppermint, spearmint, uh-huh. chamomile. Oh, my um, gosh. So do you, on, on your website, does your company tell us how to do that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. We have a whole right. thing on tea. Uh, oh, I, fabulous. You know, when I do a tea presentation, I could talk for hours on tea. And, of course, you have to oh. taste tea, too, because that's such a critical part of experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you, uh, you know, I buy those little spoon-looking, um, you can take and open up the spoon, uh, it has the little holes in it uh, that get to take the bulk tea and put it in there. And then yep, I drink perfect. my tea. I put get the boiling hot water. And I, we, my husband and I, years ago, bought those boiling pots that are electrical yep. for the tea. And uh, then we put the hot water in the cup, put that tea uh, spoon thing in the cup, and I can drink it starting out weaker but stronger, take it out, do it anything I want, uh, putting my cup on a little saucer. But work with it that way. But um, now, wh- where, where else in the world are they? Uh, and I know different countries are drinking probably more tea than ever coffee. Uh, that would be China, India, and America. I think is starting to drink more tea. Uh, but I had a guest on here who'd been all over the world with about 200 people on a sailboat. He's the fact. He's the founder. It's Robert Weir. He uh, wrote the book Earth Day, and he was friends with John McConnell. Uh, he said that he and one of the countries drank a tea that was very milky looking, but he, they didn't put milk in it. Which tea would that be, Tim? Ooh, milky tea without milky milk in looking, it. heavy looking, very strong color looking. Well, in Tibet, you'll drink tea with butter in it. Uh, oh. They call it sampa. So they actually put butter and salt. It's yak butter and salt, mm-hmm. and uh, it's milkless in that respect because it's butter. That's about the only thing I could think of that would give the milky look. You know, he might have been on his sailing trip with his 200 people. Uh, he was off the boat going into the India side of of the of the Himalayan mountains, yep. and that may have been where he had the influences there. Uh, then he went on to different countries, but because um, he said it was very milky looking, but he didn't. He said he knows he didn't put. They didn't put milk in it, so they put butter in it. Yeah, it's the only place in the world that I know of where they actually put butter in tea, and it's when you drink it, it's like nothing else you've ever drank tea-wise. So, <laughs> so it doesn't have the flavor of the tea. You're feel, tasting more of a a buttery. Well, they even put salt in it too. So yeah, well, add salt mm-hmm. to tea. I mean, you can you have a hard time imagining it until you, you taste it. It's now, around different. the world, where have you drank your favorite cup of tea, though? Where have you had your favorite? Oh, probably in Nepal, staring at the Himalayas. Uh, oh, okay. I love Nepal, and I've been there many times for work, and I, I just find looking at those mountains just a spectacular experience. Well, you know, I, I'm envious with you being in Nepal drinking tea in <laughs> 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 the Himalayan mountains, so high and so strong. So we're, we've only got about three, four minutes left. What can you do to tell me about what you've learned about tea? Oh, 
have you learned uh, which particular tea has become very popular in America that people should be thinking about? And, and tell us about your company. And we've only got about two minutes left. Well, let me throw out a quick statement here just so you understand my uh, love for tea and its history. So this is a quote from uh, 1211, so it's an 800-year-old quote. Mm-hmm. And it's that tea is a miraculous medicine for the maintenance of health. Tea has the extraordinary power to prolong life. Um, I just don't think there's anything quite as healthy as tea. And whether you're drinking green tea, black tea, oolong, or white, they're all good for you. I mean, there's a lot more studies on green tea than black tea, but um, all tea is going to give you some incredible health benefits. I mean, the antioxidant benefits alone are are fantastic, but there's so many studies on tea, and it's impact on everything from heart disease to uh, indigestion to cancer even. Uh, Tea is really well studied. Mm-hmm. And so we know so much about its benefits. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what your original question was now. Well, and then also your company. Um, where do they go? Where do we go to find your company and learn yeah, more Frontier about Frontier Natural Products Co-op? Um, FrontierNaturalProductsCoop.com would be our website, and we're one of the bigger suppliers of organic uh, herbs and spices and tea in the world. So uh, anybody can go to the website. We're a co-op. So we're basically owned by our customers, which is really unique uh, in the manufacturing world. Mm-hmm. In Southern Oregon, we have a health food store that's a health product store. In Ashland, Oregon, it's a co-op store. Yep, sure. I've been there and many you may times. Even, have you been there? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we're, I'm caught talking to you uh, 30 minutes, uh, actually 40 minutes south of the, uh, north of there, Grants Pass. So uh, I'm 40 minutes in Applegate, north so, uh, of Ashland. <laughs> Pardon? I used to live in the Applegate Valley, so I know the oh, area well. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, I'm th- this radio talk show has been coming from Southern Oregon all these years. <laughs> yeah. So it's the world like brought us around home. together, Tim. <laughs> well, I wish you well and your company, and I hope I can talk uh, have you on again because there's so much well, to learn. I enjoyed the experience, and I could talk about herbs, spices, and essential oils forever. Well, let's do it. We'll do it all together. Right. And thank you again, and you have all a nice right, day, thanks. and you be well. All right. You too, Sharon. Okay, Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Wow, didn't we learn a lot? And uh, our next guest is Dr. Alan Taylor, Ph.D., who is a senior scientist and director of laboratory research for nutrition and vision. And I'm going to ask him about what he's been learning also about tea and eyes, because we've been bumping into green tea and eyes, so we shall find out. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the eye with 100% tissue culture-grade water just a mist. Well, listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. Taylor. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Taylor, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, thank you for joining us. I was. Uh, did you hear anything about the earlier show? We were talking about teas and natural yes. around the world. And Dr. Taylor, you've taken on, I believe, one of the most exciting futures of the world. Besides our family founders saying, eat carrots that are good for your eyes, you're mm-hmm. diving into learning more about nutrition and the vision and eyes of our world. Because without our eyes, what do we have every day right. to do what we must do? But tell us about how you started this. Um, first of all, tell us about you. And then tell us what what started this nutrition and eye research. Well, um, for me, it's sort of a circuitous and labyrinthian trail, and that is that I began as a chemist asking what specific molecules and lenses of eyes were functional and how they functioned and why they functioned. Eventually, I began asking not just about the molecules but what they actually did within the lens um, the reason we started about with the molecules first is those same molecules exist in all cells. <clears throat> and we were just using lenses as sources, but after single-handedly examining 20,000 eyes, um, particularly catalyzed in this case myself, I became interested in finding out how the lens is this miraculous tissue that becomes clear and then why the cornea becomes clear, and then it, one thing led to another, and we began asking about how does one establish and then preserve suitable and appropriate vision throughout life. So it was sort of a long trail for me from the molecular right up to the human. Yeah, on our show we had Dr. Werther, who won the Nobel Prize, he's from Switzerland, for the molecule, and uh, that they, he said it took... 20 year, 25 scientists, 20 years, millions and millions of dollars to prove there was that molecule. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's true. And uh, isn't that sad because common sense, uh, you're, you're using common sense. Yeah, really in many respects when people ask me what I do for a living, I say I prove that my mother was right. You know, <laughs> that, that basically the, the good food she tried to feed us as kids is probably good food and she's right. <laughs> common sense. <laughs> Natural, fresh. Well, it's not just common sense to everybody, in fact. In fact, I'd say for the majority of Americans, it's hardly common sense at all. They just don't adhere to it. Well, we're learning. And we're people learning. are sort of relearning about the basics. Yeah, I think there's a new culture coming on, Dr. Taylor. I really do. I am convinced of it. Um, now, tell us about nutrition and eyes. How does that go together? Because the eyes um, and are connected to the brain. Correct. And then the rest of the body, tell us what you've learned, and then we'll take them into why nutrition. When the baby is in that womb and the eyes and the brain connect, and then here comes this baby born uh, in that delivery room. In fact, I've had the head of Johnson & Johnson's Embassy on talking about, we talked about that delivery room, when that baby opened the eyelid the first time right. and life began. And tell us about what you're learning about Give us an education to our audience why there is such a connection to uh, what's happening with the eyes today, the environment, and why we need to also study what we've been eating. Right. Well, so first of all, I think if you, it's very clear that uh, we are what we eat in general, 
you know, whether we get obese or we don't get obese depends on whether whether we eat and how much we eat. Whether we grow tall or grow short depends on the kind of nutrition we had as, as children or perhaps even maternal nutrition. Just, you know, my father was almost uh, three-quarters of a foot shorter than me and his whole generation was because they just didn't have food. And we do. So clearly what you eat determines the status of the body that is eventually formed. Now, in terms of nutrition and eyes, I think that as people get older, it's pretty clear that we're susceptible to a lot of diseases, and we call these age-related diseases. And the toll that these age-related diseases takes on our life quality is, is enormous. And people say we, we're told that the loss of vision is the second greatest fear amongst the elderly because of the compromise of life quality, let alone the compromise of productivity. And as we think about health care budgets these days, it's also particularly important to try prolong health and delay the requirement for care because there's tremendous saving to be obtained both personal and from the societal level. So I think all these reasons provide compelling uh, rationale for asking what can you do um, perhaps early in life to delay the onset of later life diseases and the one we focus on particularly is both cataract and age-related macular degeneration and you know that virtually everybody will have cataract extraction if they live long enough and about 30% of people are affected by age-related macular degeneration so it's just as well to not have surgeries say for instance for cataract if you can avoid them and at the moment there's actually relatively little you could do for age-related macular degeneration so we certainly want to avoid well, your nutrition, that. Your nutrition side of your analysis future to me is enormous. I have a Dr. Philip Payton in Medford, Oregon who had a little uh, scare uh, with his heart because he was a biker, a very active in, in outgoing things uh, that he did, and uh, but he's an ophthalmologist, and uh, a patient brought him in the China study, and he all of a sudden began to study. He originally was from Cornell as a uh, chemist, and he took his other uh, future, uh, his other past, and started studying nutrition. He's totally convinced with you that nutrition is the future. Everybody has to take it serious, and the eyes, Dr. Taylor. Can you imagine what is happening to the eyes today? And macular degeneration is just one, but by 2030, they expect macular degeneration to be out of control somewhat if we haven't figured this out. And then you've got all these new young people and all ages looking at a computer, which is not being very concerning for the healthy eye. But tell us what you've been learning about the foods that people should be considering to learn how to eat. Well, it's pretty clear at this point that that a healthy intake of fruits and vegetables is is, is very useful, and because that goes two ways. Um, one, if you eat, say, five servings of fruits and vegetables per day, which is certainly something I would endorse, um, you're, you're eating fruits and vegetables are foods that are, are generally healthy in many different ways. And what are those ways? One is they are replete with what we now know are antioxidants. And we know that many of the age-related diseases um, have, as part of their etiology or part of their cause, some extent of oxidative stress. So clearly these antioxidants do something. Second of all, they have a lot of fiber, which is also good for the body. 
And third of all, they keep you from eating other junk food that, um, you know, serves to put on calories and have relatively little nutrition. So I think they benefit in many different ways. And several, if not most, of the epidemiological surveys that have looked for relationships between uh, the kinds of foods people eat and the health of their eyes have shown that um, intake of higher levels of fruits and vegetables is associated with prolonged visual function or health of the retina and health of the lens. Um, and even in some cases, you can use this to delay the progress of disease that already began. That's what Dr. Payton's finding, and that's why I was so excited to have you on today and hopefully get behind you on this. Um, I'm going to go back and, and, and review something you said, and I think the audience and the world needs to understand. When you say antioxidants, that means digestion must be, you must detoxify. Now, you, you, you explain that to me. What's happening in dehydration, I'm going to take a step that you might not take diseases. From the moment we're born, we start this dehydration process. Do we know what each person's, what's happening to each individual? No. But you're finding a lot more toxin in the body and the eyes based on the fact we're not digesting. Um, can you understand, explain to the audience who gets all these words thrown at them uh, and, and their, their occupations or maybe have nothing to do with understanding what, de- what dehydration or digestion or antioxidants or mean. Could you explain that with common sense to them? Well, let me try. <laughs> Somebody okay. can ask me a question if I fail. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so what I'm going to explain to you first is the oxidation, and I'm going to ignore dehydration go. and okay. digestion okay. for okay. the time being. Okay. Um, so if you think, if you put a newspaper in the back of your car in a sunny day, what happens to that newspaper? By the time you get home, or after, say, going out for a few hours, that paper is a bit yellow. Right. Um, if you put an apple on, say you eat an apple partially and then leave it out for a little bit, that apple turns brown. Right. We've all seen the apple get brown or a banana getting brown or some fruit that you just leave out on the table for a little while. Well, what's going on there? Um, let's let's add, add, add another analogy. If you light a match, the match starts, say, as a clear yellowish stick, right? And then by the time you finish burning it, it's brown or black. Um, so what do all these things have in common? That is, the carbon is being changed. The carbon that was in that match or that's in the newspaper, which is made of carb- cellulose fiber, or carbohydrates and proteins that are in your cells, are all being attacked, shall we say, by oxygen, various forms of oxygen. And it need not be the oxygen we breathe, but that oxygen is converted to other forms that are very reactive. And we need those forms, but a lot of them get loose in cells. And you, then you have to counteract those loose forms of oxygen because those loose forms of oxygen is exactly what makes the paper get brown or the match burn or, um, or, 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 or in fact, the brunescence of your lens. So, for instance, if you look, I'll just give an example in the lens, um, why do people have trouble driving when they're 40 or 50 years of age? Not because the lens is becoming opaque. In general, it's not becoming opaque, which is what we define as a cataract. But rather, the lens is becoming yellow. So it's going through the very same process that the apple goes through or that a match goes through or the newspaper goes through because what's happening is the proteins in the lens are reacting with carbohydrates and those are reacting with oxygen, and they form these brown products. So less light is getting through the lens 
because the, the lens is getting colored and gets darker and darker um, as age progresses, and that happens in virtually everybody. Um, so that process, the reaction of oxygen with the molecules in cells, or the reaction of oxygen with molecules in a newspaper, is called oxidation. Mm-hmm. So then what can you do about that? So you want, you want to have in your cells some other kind of chemicals that could counteract or gobble up or, or neutralize those reactive forms of oxygen. And that's what we call antioxidants. So, for instance, vitamin C is a pretty powerful antioxidant. In fact, one of the of, of nature's most powerful antioxidants, at least antioxidants that are found in cells. So, so nature sort of knows, or <clears throat> there is a certain amount of wisdom in our design um, that suggests that while we do need oxidative oxidation to to metabolize our foods and generate energy for activity, we also have to have antioxidants around to counteract when some of that oxygen or those reactive oxygen species get loose. And those are called the antioxidants. So have I explained that yes. clearly? Yes. In fact, that's something that I'm sure most people have never heard. Um, you know, the sad thing is when we go to the doctor with a complaint, the doctor is very busy. And maybe we didn't take our list of questions with us. So that's what this show is about. Now, the dehydration side of the eye. Um, I'm wondering, uh, do you know very much about stem cell corneal research? I'm certainly no expert on it. I know, a little, I know a little bit about it. What, what little do you know about it? Well, I know that people use the lumbal cells to regrow corneas. But okay, and <laughs> so I'm familiar what, with the technology via which that's used. Okay, so what, what I was thinking is if people uh, are not taking good care of their eyes, and what the future holds here. And we need to make a long-term investment starting out when the baby's born and follow that baby as families, the parents, that they're eating correctly. And then now they're sitting, Dr. Taylor, they're sitting in front of computers and these little gadgets looking down. I was in the grocery store recently, and all of us standing in line were fascinated with this little, like, three-year-old. She had this little... Uh, iPad, whatever she had in her hand. Mm-hmm. And she was staring at that, what didn't even blink right. for all the time her mother was in that line. I didn't even see her look up once. Well, can you imagine her eyes? Yeah. Blink. I mean, I'm not sure that that's really dangerous, to tell you the truth. I don't I, mean I just dangerous. Don't know, know I mean, dangerous. to the individual, what I mean is right. the individual is staring at something so long right. and, and busy at the intrigue of whatever it may be that she right. didn't even look up. Right. When, you, when, when we were right. teaching that if you're sitting at a computer, look up, close your eyes, mm-hmm. uh, do a little bit of blinking, uh, right. Right. don't stare for so long. Right. Uh, we're learning. Sure. But right. back to nutrition and food now, when you say eat vegetables and fruit during the day, you're meaning, are you, you're meaning fresh, not out of a can. Well, that depends. Um, I'm not sure that all canned vegetables and fruits are bad for you or, or don't provide nutri- nu- nutrient intake, uh, sufficient nutrient intake. Some of them preserve it pretty well, like some of the, fr- as I understand it, and I'm hardly an expert on food science, but uh, I, as I understand it, for instance, if you cut some of the green vegetables or just parboil them and then freeze them, they may be adequate, um, and certainly they're better than not doing that, if that's one of the alternatives. If, if people have difficulty having access to fresh fruits and vegetables, then I think some of the frozen things are probably not so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm less sure about some of the canned things. Uh, I'd be careful about 
those that are too sweetened, you know, those, those, those fruits and vegetables that are canned, if they're also combined with heavy levels of sugar, mm-hmm. then I would think that that's not a great idea. Now, tell us why you're, you just said sugar. Uh, I have had this thing, too, about too much sugar. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll come back and, and, and ask you about sodium. But what about the sugar? What are you finding? Are you finding any, and anything I'm saying is, I know, constant research, but continued research. But what have you, have you learned about what's happening connecting to the eyes and sugar? Yeah, we've actually just published about eight or ten papers on that, and I think that's one of the new frontiers in terms of nutrition and vision, uh, is the recognition that consuming higher glycemic index diets, and we'll explain that in just a minute, is actually associated with considerably enhanced risk for age-related macular degeneration and perhaps cataract as well. Now, why might that be? Now, if you think back to what I was explaining to you before about oxidation and oxidative stress, the example I gave was that some of the proteins in cells react with sugars, and then those react with oxygen, and they become brown, right? Mm -hmm. So other things happen as well. Um, And what, what happens is these proteins that are modified by carbohydrates or sugars basically become cytotoxic. They become little poisons inside the cell. Very now, normally, yeah. pardon me? Well, a dehydration effect because I'm looking at uh, sugar, I, and you correct me, uh, sugar would uh, heat uh, the body. Yeah. Am I wrong? Well, that's true, but I'm going to go in a different direction. Okay, you go um, in your direction. So, um, so as I mentioned, these, what we call these advanced glycation end products, um, it's a new term, ages, we call them. Um, these are proteins that are modified by sugar that are then also modified by oxygen. Um, these accumulate and, and they become like little poisons in the cell because they actually compete with the proteins that should be doing their jobs but can't, but, but, and, and can do their jobs, but these, these modified proteins interfere with that process. So they call, they, they compete, in other words, with the, with the good processes. And, Normally, there's a whole editing machinery inside cells. Cells also are equipped, just as they're equipped with antioxidants to prevent the formation of these things in the first place, they're also equipped with little um, uh, digestive enzymes, to use the term you used before. And we're not talking about the stomach now. We're actually looking inside the cell, but each cell also has its digestive machinery. And that digestive machinery literally has a seek-and-destroy function and it will seek out and destroy these damaged molecules. But the sugar actually makes the proteins resistant to that seek-and-destroy machinery. And not only that, it might even damage the seek-and-destroy machinery. So that there's a double whammy there when you have too high levels of sugar. And as you're talking, Dr. Taylor, all I'm thinking about is all these people sitting next to the computer with sodas they're drinking. Yeah, right. So therein lies a big problem. And and that's that's our problem. problem. It's less the computer than the the soda. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, now real quickly, let's go over to sodium. I only have about two minutes left. What is your thinking on sodium? I'm really not sure. Uh, I just don't know enough about this. As far as I know, there's little information about sodium and and visual health. Mm -hmm. I may be wrong Mm -hmm. about that. My concern sometimes is the dehydration has to have certain things to slow it down. And uh, people have, I had a friend one time who had been in the medical field forever, and her mother was not doing well. She goes to where her mother was, she looks at the chart, 
and they'd taken her off of anything and everything to do with sodium and uh, the different medications and that. All of a sudden, she said, I want my mother back on sodium. I want my mother this way. And her mother responded and lived for many years to come, and they didn't think she was going to make it. Um, I think we're getting too carried away. I could be wrong on the sodium side. I wish we could stick more to what you just talked about, uh, understanding more about our sugar, our carbohydrate side of it. We only have a, one minute left. You've been wonderful. Have you ever been the greatest teacher, Professor? What would you like to leave the audience to think about as you're learning, what you've been learning? Uh, I think it's really important for elderly people and parents to think about how important it is to imprint on people younger that their body is what they eat and that taking care of your body early in life is really important for retaining and establishing and retaining health later in life and to the extent to which one can implement uh, diets that are rich in fruits and vegetables and low in carbohydrate and fat. Um, not, and I don't mean low, I mean lower. In other words, just not eating, not drinking those sodas and the extra snacks and keeping the weight off. Those kind of things probably deliver tremendous amounts of both quality of life later in life as well as prolonged function later in life. And I think that kind of common sense, as you referred to earlier, um, would take the national health care budget a long way as well. <laughs> and as you, go, as you go, did you know on the national health nutrition chart there isn't one glass of water on there, doctor? I'm surprised at that. <laughs> uh, years ago when I watched it, I was shocked. Not one glass of water. We're going to have to do something about that, Dr. Taylor. <laughs> well, you have a nice day, and you I too. sure appreciate what you've done today. We've learned a lot, and I hope and if I come up with some more questions, I can entertain you to come back on and educate us again, because I believe the eyes are on the world here, and we've never learned enough about eyes. I put people in a room, and I said, what have you learned about eyes through years about education? They said, well, I guess eating carrots. <laughs> no, we're a long way beyond that. We're a, you're a long way beyond that, thanks to you and okay. Tufts University. Well, I thank you. You have a nice day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. You, bye. Thank you. Have you learned a lot today? I do believe in teas. I think let's learn more. I think it's time that we got, took your vision serious because I know you're looking at computers. And it's time that we took the, the eyes of the world very, very serious. And I want the world to know that Earth has a secret. And we all need to embrace that moment of living with the Earth with nature. And it does have a missing nature. And what it means is let's be together. Let's join together with the strength and courage of Earth's human mission. And Earth's human mission is saying to us, I know this for a fact, the power of water must be here forever. Drink a lot of water. But Earth's secret is don't ever say goodbye because that you're leaving an immortality of yourself behind. I want to thank you for listening, and uh, it'll be next time we'll learn more. You have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. 
the World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.